Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so you're participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. And go. this ball in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Use that promo code DNVR. You'll get 20% off your next purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, potentially life-changing coffee, Strava. Got some right here. Everyone on the lives can see I'm enjoying. Of course, I am your host, Drew Creaseman. With me is our guy, Patrick Lyons, and on this episode, we're going to get heavy into some draft talk. Uh, we're going to be talking about a few other miscellaneous things, looking at some drafts passed from your Colorado Rockies. Uh, but what I really wanted to do with this conversation is we've we've danced around it a little bit. I've talked about a, a couple of strategic things, a couple of players I like, and then we had our guy uh, from Purple Row on, Justin Wick, who, how awesome was he, by the way? Uh, he was Great just guess. fantastic, Great. yeah. Um, and, and, and he ran through, you know, some of his prospect leanings and and some draft thoughts, but I want to take a step back. This is where we, all right, let's take a wide angle view here and talk about just philosophically speaking, how Colorado should and likely will approach the entire draft. I, I focused in a lot on that first pick and a few like, why don't they do catchers? And we've got a lot more coming on that, both in terms of written content. We might get into it a little bit here today on the pod. But Patrick, I wanted to ask you as someone who hasn't grown up around the team, but has a, a really good background in amateur baseball and in sort of just draft history. Um what is your philosophical take on on the Rockies in particular? Are there things from a draft perspective that they need to do differently than other teams? Um, and if so, uh, do you think that they're going to get those things right in, in this one? Or, or And how have they been doing lately in, from your perspective? I think in many ways, Colorado does need to behave a little bit differently than most other teams in Major League Baseball, most obviously referring to starting pitching. I would say relief pitching, but relievers aren't born. They're they're converted from unsuccessful starting pitchers. So right. starting pitching is definitely one of those areas that they need to target. And 
you know, I think they've been doing that over the last few years. Maybe they're not maybe I, I know, you know, the last couple of years they have you know targeted hitters because that may have been the best player on the board that they've become most enamored with. Obviously, last year, 2019, Michael Toglia out of UCLA with their competitive balance pick in 2018. They went with another first baseman, Grant Levine, who was the first prep player to ever be drafted out of the state of New Hampshire. Before that, in 2017, they did not have a first-round pick because of Ian Desmond. They went with Ryan Valade. So, you know, they, they have gone with the bats because I feel that's who they've deemed to be the best available player at that spot but yes they they do need to approach the draft a bit differently as far as going after those college players and this year with there being such an abundance of college arms available i think they really have an opportunity now to go all in on this idea of of just stockpiling as many arms as possible partially because the draft is only five rounds. And we could talk about the implications of that as well as the lack of the minor league season and, and what you're going to do to develop some of these younger players. Um, so ultimately, again, just to get back to your question, yeah, they, they do need to approach things a, a bit differently because, frankly, you can get away with putting certain hitters on the diamond for Colorado, and they're going to go out and have a 90-RBI season. It's really just about the adjustments that you can make going down to sea level that's that's the biggest factor of all colorado rockies players they're going to hit at coors field but can they make adjustments and i think you can find players that can do that on the offensive side you just might not be able to find pitchers that can not only just make that adjustment but can pitch in the unfriendly confines of coors field 100 percent, and that framing is perfect for the next question I have for you because you, you've just laid it out for us. I could not agree more. I thought maybe we were going to have a little bit more disagreement. We might have to fight about catchers just to do that. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll probably end up agreeing too, which will be annoying. But <laughs> um, as you've just laid it out here, there have been times, I think Brendan Rodgers is another good example where the Rockies just, you, you take the best player on the board with that pick. Taking anybody else would have been a massive overthink by the Rockies in that draft. And they did the right thing despite this. And, and and I go extreme with it. The pitching should be priority one, two, and three. If I was in there, if I'm running the Rockies war room right now, and it's semi-feasible to take five pitchers with five picks, I would probably be, be running that. Now, that might be a bit extreme. You know, you've gotten a really great glimpse at this class. We both have... Um, reading over some Baseball America, some MLB Pipeline. Those have been great resources. Uh, Prospects Live is a really great resource. Anyone out there trying to, you know, bone up on on some of this as, as we approach the draft. Again, it's June 10th. We're going to have live coverage of it uh, for the entire first round. We're going to have all kinds of guests, players, uh, people in and around the organization, media people. And uh, we, we do plan on having a Hall of Famer because the Broncos guys – they had Steve right. Atwater on. That's right. And that was one of the things atop uh, the list for Drew and I said, oh, man, it's going to be hard to beat. How are we going to get a Hall of Famer? Yeah. We got one. Confirmed got it again it. last night. Confirmed it again. We got it. Ladies and gentlemen, we got, we got it. it. We got it. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But as you've studied this class, this has emerged again, I think, because now correct me if I'm wrong here. We've discussed this a little bit. 
and we're obviously going to dive into it during our draft coverage. It seems like a pretty deep class of pitchers, and I have seen the argument that despite everything we've laid out here, and the Rockies having the number nine overall pick, that should a potential you know, superstar position player be on the board, that they could afford to take that guy at nine because at picks 35 and 46, there should still be some good pitching talent on the table. Is the pitching talent really that deep? Would you entertain that strategy? It's it's a great question. I, I don't think there are, I think there's probably one guy that you might make that exception for. Now, to go back to, to something I was uh, I kind of touched on in the last question is there's no minor league season right now. There's not going to be for 2020. There might not even be a 2020 MLB season. Right. That being said, it's it's going to be hard to develop some of these high school players, right? They're not going to get in-game experience and at the earliest, you know, they're they're not going to play their their first game in the organization until April. And that's that's valuable time right there. So I think it's it's really hard to go that route. Now, that being said, the Rockies have had a lot of success. I mean, you look at, at, at three of their all-stars from last year, they were all selected out of high school. David Dahl, Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado. Good and, players. And, and, and had this season gone off without a hitch, you would have had a fourth. And Ryan McMahon, no two ways about it. That was the next guy on the come-up. So... Rockies have done a good job with those high-end guys. That being said, if Zach Veen should somehow fall to nine, it, it's going to be really hard to pass him up unless one of those other guys that they like a lot is there, like a Max Meyer. Max Meyer would probably you know, be the guy that I would hope falls to them. If we're really digging into it, you know, the medicals on Emerson Hancock – are up in the air. It's, it's a little questionable what, what teams are seeing there. He was a guy that should have probably been projected as the first pitcher off the board. Now that's almost assuredly going to be Ace Lacy. Uh, there's even been reports recently uh, by Baseball America, as you mentioned, that the Orioles may be trying to cut a deal with Zach Veen at the two pick because they're going to go again at 30 and they might be able to get another guy above slot value. So there's so much movement within that first round, a guy that, you know, is projected to go outside of the top 10. There's two guys outside of the top 10 that are right in the general neck of the woods of the Pittsburgh Pirates. You got high school outfielder Austin Hendrick, and you also have Nick Bitsko from Pennsylvania who reclassified to be in this draft. He was a guy that was supposed to be ready in 2021. He's ready now in 2020. If Pittsburgh decides they want a, a Pennsylvania kid, at seven, now that's going to, again, move somebody else further down. If so Emerson Hancock to... falls to nine, don't do, this to, <laughs> don't do this to me. Don't get me thinking Emerson Hancock could fall to nine. You've... Whoa. And that's, and that's the, the beauty and the insanity of the MLB draft because maybe the best arm in the entire draft is Jared Kelly out of the state of Texas. Again, right. high school guy. But he's now slated to maybe fall to the Orioles at 30 because of his demands. So it, it, so much is up in the air. I think, again, Zach Veen's going to be hard to say no to, but I would understand that if they're able to, to nab a college arm there. 
Uh, Nick Gonzalez would be the only other hitter, I think, that has the potential to fall. Again, if Zach Veen jumps ahead of Gonzalez and goes to, to the Orioles uh, and you know Pittsburgh decides to pass on Gonzalez and go with someone like Austin Hendrick, you know, and the Padres decide they want a high school bat. Robert Hassel the third is a guy that I've seen projected that the Padres you know seem to have some interest in. He I like fit him really well with their slew of prospects. So there you again you've got guys that if you're just looking on pure talent alone or pure projectability, they might not really go in those spots. But if that does happen and Nick Gonzalez ends up falling nine to Colorado, I think there's there's a good possibility they they could take him as you know their second baseman of the future. I don't think he's you know a lot of people don't really believe in his abilities as a shortstop. He'll probably he will get that opportunity, but uh, I think more than likely he will be a, a second baseman slash third baseman. He he could play either of those positions really well. Coming out of New Mexico State, kid hit 12 home runs. Second place by the way. This season was nine. So he had 12 home runs in 16 games, including five homers and a double header. So the kid can rake at altitude. He's used to hitting. Uh, I think New Mexico State is something like 3,000 feet, 3, feet above sea level. So, again, he'd be that guy you go, okay, you, you can't really pass up on uh, on this. He's also known for his eye. Like, again, now you're getting me. But the, we, you talked earlier about the, the going on the road thing. And one of the things that I've looked at over the years is I study the Rockies and the home road. Uh, the guys who tend to handle it better are the guys who take more pitches, who take their walks when they need to. You see more pitches, you're going to be able to see the difference between movement at altitude and at sea level. And the guys who are naturally more aggressive are just going to, to have less of a time to make that adjustment. If Nick Gonzalez... But, and, and with the Rockies' organizational uh, depth at shortstop, with obviously, you know, if, if and, and that this has always been the silver lining too, if Nolan leaves, Trevor gets that money, Trevor stories your shortstop of the future, stop worrying about it. If that doesn't unfold, you've still got Brendan Rodgers right there. As, that's quite the extraordinary plan B at shortstop. Uh, and, and then they've got a couple other guys, you know, Garrett Hampson, being in the mix who can at least defensively play the position for you. Um, you know, a, a few other guys, Alan Trejo uh, is, uh, is Patrick's he guy. Could, who's again, <laughs> defensively can play the position for you. Um, he, he could be a stopgap guy for again, a couple years. You don't, you, you, you it's a luxury to have an all-star <laughs> on the entire right. left side of your infield. <laughs> right. You know, we kind of forget that because you, you go from essentially Troy Tulowitzki over to, to right. Trevor Story, and you go, well, you got to have an all-star at shortstop. Well, again, Alan Trejo can, you know, can, can provide a, a, lot of, a lot of levity at the position, kind of like Nafi Perez did for, for a period of time for the organization. You know, right. Maybe Taron Vavra is the real deal. He right. should be playing at uh, Lancaster this year. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. You could see him in Hartford as uh, soon as 2021. So, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of possibilities there. You know, to get back to your question, do you take Garrett Mitchell at nine if he's there? Do you take Heston Kerstad? Do you take a catcher in Patrick Bailey? Those would be the three guys that all have the question mark of, well, do, do you need another offensive player? Sure, you're going to get an opportunity at, at a 35 and, and 46 with those two picks, but are you going to get one with as high as upside as a Max Meyer or 
Garrett Crochet or Reed Detmers or Emerson Hancock if he falls. There are those guys that you're not going to be able to replicate, you know, that ceiling. So you, you, you might not be able to afford to really pass up a guy with those abilities. It's just, it is the question, um, which way they go with this thing. And it's, you know, uh, the, the other part of that is, can you balance out with the other four picks? If you go position guy at pick nine, can you get some really good pitching at 35 and 46 or the other way around, I guess, if you, if, you know, is there going to be a point later in the draft where there's going to be some interesting position players? Because as much as, you know, I would go extreme on the philosophy, that's so much easier to say than do. They're not going to take, well, I don't know, but they probably won't take five starting pitchers with five picks. Uh, it, it just, you know, at some point, you do have to go with the best player on the board uh, a lot of times as well. Absolutely. And, you know, who is going to be the best player on the board at 35? It It might not be. You know, it might not be that, that pitcher that you're hoping for. You know, if, if, if teams go, you know, all in on this strategy of like, well, let's just grab as many of the top college arms as possible and we'll maybe see about trying to sign one of these high school guys in, in one of the later rounds and, you know, throw some money at them. Maybe. I, we don't know, right? The last, the last two off seasons, there's been talk of, hey, is there collusion going on in Major League Baseball? You know, there's no evidence to that. It, it seems like it. Could it be that 30 teams really have come to the same general conclusion that older players don't really give you the value that, right. that they, they have in the past or, or really just in general? Is it worth overpaying for that? You could see all those teams kind of come to the same conclusion. So that could be the case with the draft. So, you know, yep. the, the, the Rockies, they have, they have three picks within the first 46 selections. They'll have six picks overall. So you, you got to hope that they're going to be able to take at least three arms in there, at least, at, at minimum. You know, totally. what happens after that is really unknown because while you can sign players after the fifth round to a $20,000 deal, that that is not a lot. That is not a lot. Right. Next year's draft is, is still slated to go a full, well, not a full, but slated to go 20 rounds. Right. So, you, you know, you come back again for, for your senior year, or redo of your junior year, I should say. You know, you you've got that opportunity to, you know, make a lot more money. Even if you're selected in the 19th round, you're going to make more money. Right. But you know, what what is your what is your season going to look like next spring, on the college campus? So all right, maybe maybe you say, I just want to I just want to get my career started. So there's a piece that will be going up in the next couple of days where Drew and I uh, have our latest edition of Falls Count Anywhere, and we talk about you know, the state of, of catching in the Rockies organization, what should they do? And ultimately, you know, with there not being a lot of top flight catchers in this draft, they might be able to go and, and convince somebody after the fifth round that, you know, maybe doesn't have the upside of a, of a Patrick Bailey, but is, is able to, you know, provide a lot of comparable value to what a, a Tom Murphy, you know, did for a few years and, or, the value that Tom Murphy would have provided the Rockies had there been a universal DH already in place. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Uh, still hurts a little bit. So <clears throat> on June 10th, make sure that you've got your Breckenridge brew situation all taken care of. You can get it ordered in from Davidson's. And if 
you want a recommendation on food, I'd say go to the farmhouse. You can order it. You can go and pick it up. Uh, you can get $5 off both the food and the beer if you use that code DNVR. Call 303-803-1380. They're open from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, you can also swing by the DNVR bar to get some Breckenridge brews on tap. Uh, I assume that we're going to be live on in the DNVR bar all night long. So if you want to watch the draft out and about, uh, as long as there aren't too many of you that head to the bar, because we are still being uh, responsible in terms of our, our social distancing measures there. But you can come and enjoy the game, not the game, the show, the draft. It's still going to be a little while before we have games, but it's going to be a sports thing to watch and drink Breck beer and eat some barbecue. That's what I get from the farmhouse. I always get uh, their delicious barbecue. Uh, it's free delivery. Again, use the code DNVR. You'll get five bucks off the food and the beer. Uh, make it an evening of good times as we run through what the Rockies are doing in the draft. So I don't want to overdo the the conversation that uh, Patrick was just having there because I, well, frankly, I want everyone to go and read the article that we're writing. Um, and so as much fun as it would be to jump into the catcher debate, I, I think I want to put that to at least after we've published the article so we can iron out any other things that uh, um, may be left to be said there. Um, I, I want to back up for a minute also and, and talk about, you know, so... Uh, just a couple of, I, I guess, what you might call nuts and bolts in, in, in terms of the draft. A few reminders. Uh, if, if some people are wondering about, um, you know, that 35th pick in general. Like, one of the questions I want to ask one of our guests, those of you who are can put two and two together, can figure out which guest uh, that I want to ask this question is, what round do you say you were drafted in? <laughs> the sandwich round? The competitive balance round? Were you, do you just say I was the second overall pick uh do you just give them the number uh, you were taking with 35th but patrick can you give us a little bit of an explanation on what the competitive sandwich balance round a one b nine pick thing is <laughs> that sounds like that, that sounds like my order from subway <laughs> hey now um yeah for a period of time it was called a, a sandwich pick david wright was you know frequently back on the east coast during that that life of mine you know they always talk about david wright being a sandwich pick and those were compensation picks that were given to teams when their free agents left to go to other cities and that still exists now um it's one of the reasons why the, the you know the yankees won't you, you won't see them uh early on because they signed of course garrett cole but the competitive balance picks are at the end of the first and the second round and that was something in the most recent collective bargaining agreement that was decided for basically middle to small market clubs. It's kind of it, it's not necessarily a lottery because it's it's almost like an every other year type situation where you would you'd get a, a pick after the first round, however many picks. So only 29 teams will be selecting in the first round right. this year. No Houston Astros. We can talk <laughs> about that another time. But so they won't have a first round pick this year. So pick 30 is uh, is the Orioles because they. They had a, a first round competitive balance pick, and again, ultimately, it was it was just decided that you know these 
smaller franchises and, and smaller cities that since they can't go out and sign some big name free agents, they need a little bit extra support, a little bit extra, you know, you know push a, a, in the development uh, of their prospects, so to speak, or at least the ability to to select prospects. So that happens at the end of the first and second round. Those picks are actually tradable, which is really interesting because that's and, and not a lot is really made of those trades because for the most part you can't trade draft picks in right. major league baseball but competitive balance picks can be dealt you know certain teams covet them more than others i know the marlins don't really care too much about them they've you know traded away their competitive balance picks really you know ever ever so frequently and as kind of we've been we've been talking about with this draft is the draft doesn't necessarily get you you know the, the rockies aren't going to get the 35th best player necessarily they might be able to get the 22nd best player in the draft. But what you get at 35 is a guaranteed slot value. You have a bonus pool of money that you are allowed to shell out to the players in the first 10 rounds. This year there's only five, so it's only the five rounds. And I believe the Rockies, although they have the ninth pick because they had the ninth worst record, they have the seventh most uh, money in their bonus pool because they're getting the 35th pick overall. So Man. you have this money, you have this pool of money that you can go from, and if you decide to call up someone like Austin Wells, who's you know uh, deemed possibly the, the second-best catcher in the draft behind Patrick Bailey and say, look, you were probably supposed to go you know, 25th, maybe, maybe 30th, maybe even later than that. We're going to take you at 9, and we're going to offer you – that money that you were going to get at the you know the 20th pick so now you're getting a li he he would be getting a little bit more than what he was expecting and the rockies end up saving money now that extra money they can go and take at 35 player number 20 right because you say hey look i know you slipped because you told teams this is how much money you wanted and they didn't want to give that to you well guess what we're going to give it to you so you can you know, have your cake and eat it too in a lot of ways with the MLB. Jared draft. Kelly's still on the board at 35 because exactly. of his money demands. And the Rockies have, have taken instead of one of those top guys at nine, they maybe Patrick Bailey is not that much farther back. They probably have to slip further. They probably still can't get a guy like that. Maybe one of those high school catchers who don't intrigue me as much, but you know, like a Tyler Soderstrom, somebody like that, who's maybe slated to go around 17, 18, you take him at nine, you save some money and then you get this fireball and now you've got two high school kids with your top two picks. So we're going completely away from the <laughs> the college thing I wanted. But that's an example of what you're talking about. You could get an extraordinary player at 35. I will say the last time the Rockies tried to pull this off, uh, the guy they ended up getting with that pick they had saved money for. At least the last time. They might have done it more recently, but the last one in my memory was Mike Nickarak, who was a guy who was supposed to go much farther ahead than he did. It was a high school raw player, but he wanted a certain amount of money. Other teams were balking at him. The Rockies got him 20 or 30 spots later than uh, we thought he was supposed to go. And because of that, I went, great pick. You got a talent who was supposed to go much farther. Unfortunately, things have not worked out well for Mike as a professional yet. He's still very young at 21, but in like three years, he's still in low A ball. So, Yeah, he had injury, right? He had, he right. had to have... Um 
Tommy John surgery. So, I mean, that really stunted his development. And that's, you know, that, that can happen with high school arms is because, you know, they've, they've put a lot of wear and tear on those arms early. You know, obviously that's, that's the age you're, you're hitting puberty. You're having those growth spurts and you, you know, if you put a lot of, um, undo and unneeded stress on your arm. I mean, frankly, you know, some doctors say every time you throw a pitch overhand, that's not a natural movement. You're like dislocating your shoulder. So you put that stress on that arm, you're going to have those issues. So you take a college guy, maybe he's already had Tommy John surgery and now you're, it's maybe one less hurdle, one less obstacle. Some guys can have two Tommy Johns that, that happens. Mm. Um, But again, you, you look at a guy like Jeff Hoffman, Taken out of East Carolina, he already had Tommy John surgery, and he was selected by Toronto. So he, there's less risk there than going with a high school guy that could be somewhat of a ticking time bomb. Yeah, I mean, that's, these are just all the things that you have to think about uh, as a GM and as a draft guru. Bill Schmidt, by the way, and, and for those of you who wa- are wondering, of course, you know Jeff Breidich and Dick Monfort and and a lot of other people are are, are weighing in on all of these decisions but the name of the man if, if you're curious who runs the draft for the Colorado Rockies is Bill Schmidt uh, he's got a pretty good resume since he's been doing it of course there there have been some misses over the years but uh, he, he's the 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 man who but if you're wondering you know oh Jeff Braddish took so-and-so it's like mm, yes yes but also you know uh, this is the guy whose recommendations they are listening to the most I guess that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, and, you know, one aspect of, of this draft that, that could be challenging and or frustrating for some fans if, if Colorado doesn't come away with, you know, someone ultimately that's exciting, right? And maybe, right. And maybe they, they, their first round pick or their, their ninth pick overall doesn't have a lot of excitement, right? Uh Patrick Bailey would be a guy to me again as as a catcher might not be exciting. It's interesting, no two ways about it. <laughs> It'd be interesting, yeah. It would be right. Yeah, yeah. But 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 it might not be exciting. But they might be able to still do that with pick thirty five. They still might be able to right. get somebody with excitement. So even if, if if that doesn't happen and it really seems somewhat lackluster and doesn't have the buzz, I I might be able to give them a pass on that simply because with the fluidity and the, you know, toxicity isn't the word I want to use, but, you know, the the, the vitriol or the vitriolic uh, issues within this draft as, as far as guys being signable and, and how much mm-hmm. money they're going to want. And if you don't sign one of your six picks or if you're another team that only has five picks, that's 20% of your draft. That's yeah. that, That's it. That's it. Yeah. That is huge. So signability is huge. So say what you will. If Jared Kelly's still on the board at 35, you got to know you got you have to sign him. You You can't just take him and go, cool, we got him. He fell because he just goes, yeah, you know what? You're not going to give me the money I want. I'll just wait. I'll 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 go to college. I'll move on from there, and that's it. And then you you just lost pick 35. It happened a couple years ago with the Oakland A's who got cute and picked an outfielder from the University of Oklahoma by the name of Kyler Murray, yeah. who never signed. Well, so, no, excuse me, he did sign. Football Had to give some now. money back, <laughs> and he had a Heisman Trophy season. And next thing you know, Oakland's seventh overall pick, they got nothing, nothing. for it. 
So you Nada. have to be incredibly cautious, you know, with 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 this draft probably more than than any other because there's just so much so much unsuredness and and there hasn't been as much time to build relationships with these players as in years past where you're going out and seeing a guy four or five times in the spring. You already know you like him, but you're following up again and you know maybe you're even having sit down conversations with them. Now it's going to Zoom. That's a big thing. There's been a lot of you know, talk from some sources that I've, I've spoken with about players. Hey, man, this guy's been great in Zoom sessions. So now he's moving up boards and some teams <laughs> are becoming enamored with players. That's a reality. So, yeah. man, it's 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 really hard this draft to figure out what's going It's always hard to figure out who's going to go where, but it's, it's going to be interesting, and, and we're going to have that coverage for you next Wednesday at June 10th. All right, I think that's going to do it for this part of the conversation. Going to cut it off here, pick up right where we left off. Next time, a lot more stuff to get into on the draft here, some of the ones in the past, some of the things that have been interesting, particularly about the 2012 draft. Before too long, we'll get into that. So thank you all for listening in. Again, make sure you're helping out all of our sponsors. You're drinking your craft coffee, getting your Mile High Green Cross, your Breck Brew, I order them from Davidson's. You stay in Manscaped, all that stuff. It really does. Uh, it helps them out. It helps us out. It helps you out. You know the drill. But uh, it, during these times, um, every little bit really does add up. If it's within your means to help out some of those businesses, uh, it would be very much appreciated. And make sure you let them know who sent you. So follow us all on the social media, as I'm sure you are. Make sure you're subscribed to all the different podcast feeds to the dnvr.com. You get yourself some cool merch with whatever sales going on this week, and you just continue to be absolutely awesome out there. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. <laughs>